This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Payer Issues Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Shara McClure, Divisional Senior Vice President of Texas Health Care Delivery for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas. Shara, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Laura. I appreciate being invited and look forward to our conversation. And I know we'll talk a lot about some of the different things that you're seeing in healthcare right now, as well as a lot of the trends and um, topics and ideas that are really emerging as innovative. But before we dive into our discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Absolutely. Thank you. So I've been in healthcare for, uh, you know, almost three decades, and I actually stumbled into healthcare rather than planning healthcare. As, as a career, I started my career right out of undergrad. I received my bachelor's degree in business from Texas A&M University. And as I started my career, I also was, was starting uh, a family at the same time. So many of my career decisions were, were kind of more of a, uh, a way of, of solving for, you know, work-life balance, how to, how to be, a, be a good mom, good working mom, and also have a career at the same time. And so that's just kind of a theme that you might find. Um, right out of school, I went to work for uh, in consulting company, Price Waterhouse. I was an information technology consultant. That was uh, that involved a lot of travel. Of course, now they're PricewaterhouseCoop or PwC, but uh, back then they were just Pricewaterhouse. It involved a lot of travel, which was not super competitive with a brand new marriage and you know getting ready to start a family. So I left that job and started my first healthcare job at Prudential Healthcare. Prudential did have an insurance company at the time. They were operating in. Houston, and that allowed me to apply my information technology skills and background to the healthcare setting. Well, that job evolved into more of a managed care job where I represented Prudential Healthcare and negotiated contracts with physicians, ancillary providers, and hospitals. And it's really that managed care area that's stuck with me from that time until my current position at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Texas. So throughout my, you know, 20 plus year career, I started working for Prudential, but I also have worked for hospitals. I worked for Tenet, um, which is a large publicly traded hospital corporation. And there was a time as well during my career where I started my own consulting company and represented physician groups who were getting into what was, you know, capitation, risk, what we would call value-based care now, um, where, where physicians managed populations. So uh, about 15 years ago, um, I joined Blue Cross and Blue Shield in Houston, Texas. Um, Blue Cross Blue Shield and Healthcare Service Corporation, our parent company, has been a, a great place for, for me to grow in healthcare. And I've really found this payer side to, to kind of be my home where, where I'm very comfortable. I do have a passion for affordability because you can offer the best technology, you can offer the best care, but you just don't really have access until unless you can afford it. And healthcare is increasingly becoming unaffordable and being part of that solution is, is really important for me. 
And um, some of my, you know, some of the things that I've really learned at as an executive of Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Texas uh, is is pretty interesting. I mean, first of all, and this kind of ties back to my to my data and information systems background. You know, I think that a lot of healthcare we have so much uh, financial data, public health data, and and using that background, that IT background, to help drive data. Di- driven decisions and, and analytics behind negotiations has been very helpful. Um, also, the Affordable Care Act, I mean, kind of being here as the Affordable Care Act passed in 2010, and we prepared to offer um, products and services that were affordable um, on the public health exchanges in 2014, 2014 and, and also just continuing to make that sustainable has been really interesting for me. And I also have found, you know, like I mentioned, being a, being a working, working mom and a, and a woman in healthcare, I think that um, that's been very interesting in my career because, you know, healthcare, women, women drive healthcare decisions in their families. I know our workforce at a healthcare service corporation is over 70% women and so I try to do what I can to advocate for women within our organization. I'm, I'm head of our uh, business resource group that, that advances women and helps them really serve the strength of our company. So that's a pretty long description that I really wanted to kind of touch on my background and the things that I've learned and the things that, that I've kind of lessons learned and things, things that I've prioritized in my career. Absolutely. And I, I so appreciate that description of just kind of how your career has evolved and then how that has worked in tandem with you starting a family and growing your family. I think, um, you know, it's just so refreshing to hear that you've been able to be successful and in, in, in build a really strong career while at the same time, um, you know, being able to have your family and children and being there for them. Um, and it has a, a young mother myself and about ready to have baby number two is very inspiring. What advice do you have for women like um, myself or, or others who are especially in the healthcare field and thinking about making healthcare better um, and, and on the insurance side as well to really thrive as, as both mothers and, uh, you know, productive members of their organizations? Well, you know, I would, I really buy into Cheryl Sandberg's lean in you know, if, if you're going to have a career, go for that, go for that leadership position, you know, expect your company to um, help support you as you balance family and work life, because healthcare needs strong women to help solve the problems we have. And like I said, if our voice, if women's voices aren't part of decision making and aren't part of leadership, then we're not serving our constituency very well since women drive those healthcare decisions. And let me also add, I'll, you know, continue to be a longtime learner. I mean, I kind of found ways to, to make the career and the family work, but then, you know, my advice to you, Laura, enjoy, enjoy it while they're young because they grow up. And I finally got to a point where um, my kids left the house, they have successful careers uh, of their own. And once I put my youngest through uh, undergrad program, I decided, well, maybe it's time for me to earn an an advanced um, degree. So I just completed, again, as a lifelong learner, I just completed a master's degree in public health from George Washington University. So, you know, it's you, you you got a lot of you, you got a lot ahead of you you have a lot of great challenges and um you know as a woman that's interested in healthcare be be part of the solution 
Well, congratulations, Shira, on your uh, recent hey. master's degree. That's fantastic. And what a great accomplishment. And thank you as well for providing a little advice for me and, and the motivation. I, I think that's fantastic. And I love that mindset of women, you know, driving a lot of the healthcare spending decisions and costs. So given that perspective, how are you thinking about growth um, for yourself and your teams um, for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas over the next 12 months or so? So we're, we're in such a unique time now. And let me just describe a little bit about Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas. We are the largest insurer in Texas, and we serve um, what we call commercial members who generally access their health insurance through their employers. Um, we also serve individuals who are purchasing health care for themselves and their families, most of whom shop on the public exchanges. And then we also have Medicare and Medicaid members. So we cover um, for our retail, for, for our commercial and individual marketplace members, we cover all 254 counties in the state of Texas. And uh, let me just kind of take take those one by one on growth. So on the commercial side, we have uh, over five million members. We did see that uh, we, we saw a lot of the employers who we cover um, drop a lot of their, you know, drop coverage for many of their employees as, as their workforce shrunk over the, over the last couple of years. And so we hope to see many of those employers hiring employees back. And so that, that should be a key to our growth as well as picking up new employers who might be uh, interested in uh, affordable plans through Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Texas. Then the public exchange is, is a fascinating uh, piece of, it's a fascinating segment of our business and, and an important area for growth. So, as you know, I, I'm going to look forward 12 months, but I'm also going to look back a few months. We, we just wrapped up this special enrollment period on the public exchange. It was, it was open uh, spring through August 15th, and our offerings throughout the state of Texas during this special enrollment period, help more Texans have access to quality, affordable health care. Some of the subsidies were enhanced. Much of the communications and information was enhanced. So our enrollment was about 30% higher than expected during that time. Now, as I mentioned, we offered individual and family plans in every single zip codes, and these plans were accessed through a robust network of, of providers and facilities. And a lot of people during this enrollment period could, could qualify for a plan with a monthly premium payment as low as zero. A lot could, they were full, many members were fully subsidized and were able to access health care really without paying out of pocket. And so looking at that experience, um, we expect to even see continued growth as we enter into uh, open enrollment for 2022. And then finally, I mentioned Medicare Advantage. Um, we uh, 
just recently expanded our geographic footprint for Medicare Advantage. We added 57 counties to our Texas service area, which brings us up over 100 counties. Now, we still have uh, a lot more geography to cover in Medicare Advantage, and we'll continue to do that over the next few years. But I think that those new areas where we can now offer Medicare Advantage plans where we couldn't in 2021 is going to be a nice opportunity for growth for us. Got it. It seems like there's a lot of different spaces where you're looking to expand and grow and really a ton of opportunities, especially as you mentioned, you know, with um, hopefully employers bringing back um, employees and covering them and then on the exchanges, Medicare Advantage, et cetera. It's just great to hear. Um, when you're looking at healthcare as a whole, what are the three or so most interesting trends that you're following right now? Well, there is there, as you know, there is so much going on in healthcare. Of course, we're in the middle of a uh, global pandemic. Health is on uh, many people's minds, but the things in particular that I'm following, uh, I'll talk about a couple of a, a couple of things around some federal legislation. So we have uh, we have a new law that will require insurers to um, to, to offer machine readable files with our negotiated prices as of 1-1-2022. As you can imagine, there's a lot of data processing, a lot of uh, a work that has to be done to make all of that available. And so the, the transparency regulations are certainly something that I'm following very closely. Um, another item has to do with surprise billing. We've had some protections uh, that, that prevents surprise billing. And of course, you know, that surprise billing is when you have a provider that, that, that treats a member, that provider does not have a contract with the insurance company. Uh, and, and in the absence of, of a contract, the provider might, might bill that member unexpectedly, which is a surprise and that's not a good surprise. Uh, so we've been dealing with surprise billing regulations in Texas since January of 2020. However, there's this new No Surprises Act, which will take effect in 2022. Some of the rules and regulations have been released. Many of the right rules and regulations and details have not been released. But uh, this is something we're spending a lot of time preparing for as we approach 2022. The third thing, I'm going to kind of build on that growth question that, that you asked me about, and this is open enrollment for the, the public exchange for 2022, and a really a focus on a continuous collaboration that we have with a provider. We, we haven't traditionally been in the healthcare provider business. However, beginning in 2020, we've entered into a joint venture collaboration with a company called Sunitas. And Sanitas uh, is an organization that helps us reach our goal of helping members on their on their health journey. Uh, they have we have ten Sanitas medical centers that we've opened uh, between Houston and the Houston and Dallas regions. Uh, they are also attached to a very affordable plan health plan or insurance plan that we offer just in Houston and Dallas that we brand as, quote, My Blue Health. It is a network. Uh, and those members, they, they, if they go to a Sanitas Health Center, they can enjoy a $0 copay for primary in-person care and telehealth appointments 
if they select their Sinitas primary care physician. So you've got individuals who not only can they enroll in the in in uh, the healthcare marketplace for for zero or a very low premium, but also they could out of, with no out of pocket cost access primary care services. So each of these Sunitas Health Centers, they serve as a one-stop shop for our Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas members. They have primary care, telehealth business, urgent care, lab, diagnostic imaging services. They serve wellness and chronic diseases. And um, they also, we're, we're about to bring back Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas customer service representatives on their premises to help members coordinate their, the non-clinical aspects of their care, like answering questions in English and Spanish about enrollment, Medicare, other questions related to health insurance. And by offering primary care and these other administrative type customer service services in one places, one place, they make quality health care options accessible not only for our members and their families, but the general public as well. That's really fantastic to hear. And what a great benefit for people who, you know, really need access to care now more than ever. Um, I wanted to know before we wrap up our discussion here, what makes you really excited today and what makes you nervous? So I, I will say that if there's any silver lining to this global pandemic, it's caused individuals from a, from a personal and an aggregate level, I believe, to be more aware of their health and public health. I mean, when you're in the middle of a public health crisis, I mean, before, before the pandemic, how many people were concerned about hospitalization rates in their communities or uh, types of behavior like social distancing or wearing masks that would prevent diseases or even the value of the relationship between an individual and their primary care physician? So I think the more that we think about health, the more that we're talking about health, we can encourage health literacy not only for individuals, but also problem solving as we deal with both economic quality, patient experience issues around health. And I'm excited about that, but I'm also hopeful that more uh, more public awareness and more conversations and more education about health will lead young people to go into healthcare or the business of healthcare or trying to help America solve for affordability because not only not only do we have uh, challenges in the health space we certainly have ch challenges in the health economy. Now, what am I nervous about? Uh, there's certainly a lot to be nervous about, but you know, as we look at uh, some of these new regulations like transparency, and of course the intent of price transparency is to make consumers of healthcare smarter shoppers by using price as part of their decision criteria. Just about everything else that we, every other decision that we make, whether it's, you know, what to buy at the grocery store or what kind of car or home to buy. We use price as part of that decision-making process. It doesn't always mean that you 
buy or purchase whatever is the lower price, but it's just part of the decision-making criteria. So the intent with transparency, I believe, is to encourage affordability and encourage competition by making prices transparent. I'm a little nervous that there could be some unintended consequences as price become a, prices become available that, that could potentially raise rather than um, lower affordability of healthcare. Shara, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Well, thank you, Laura.